Hello everyone and welcome to episode 105. Well, that's an accent I don't have. <laughs> Ever say something with a different accent than what you have? I do it all the time. Anyways, welcome to episode 105 with Nicole Williams. We have a thorough intro when we start, but the reason that I have Nicole, so, oh, sorry, Nicole the Pole, also known as Nicole the Soul Coach, she's a certified life coach and world-renowned pole dancer. The reason I had her on was she's just one of the most interesting stories I've come across. You'll find out that she started off at a later age. She's worked with some of the biggest celebrities in the music industry and continues to work with them. And then underneath it, she has all of these gems she's always dropping. She's one of the most interesting people to just listen to. So some of the topics that we get into, some of them, I'm not going to give all of them away right now, but that really stuck with me. Um, are talking about this idea of competition and like you versus me and the scarcity mindset that's easy to have in our industries and her viewpoint, which is so much more empowering than that. Uh, we talk a lot about actually money, managing your finances, I know. And if you're a younger dancer, still listen to it. It's amazing. Um, she talks about her spiritual awakening, um, the way that she educates herself because she is a savvy businesswoman and she's very wise so she talks about kind of her teachers and books that have inspired her and just her overall worldview and she gets real honest about the lows she talks about the highs the in-betweens I think there's this the word spiritual ego one of the things that can occur when you're doing like you're learning a lot you're working on yourself and you can even have an ego about it so she gets real about checking herself on it I think this is like gonna be one of my favorite episodes so far and I also want to take a moment to thank everyone who's been posting on social media, giving us love. I realized that we had a few weeks off and I didn't expect it. I myself am working, you know, I'm training my clients, I'm choreographing for the WNBA. I'm proud, I'm a proud, proud person. And one of the things I'm proudest of is continuously having this podcast. And I have to be so real and apologize because some of you were counting on me to have an episode and I was a little late on it. So my promise is to keep doing my best pushing and giving you this content. Thank you to everyone who's been posting, everyone who's been giving feedback. Please, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram. Instagram at Dance Speak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share with a friend, rate and review. And if you're ever interested in being part of the team, you want to learn a little bit more about what we do, I am always open. Ooh, I got to turn my phone off. So anyways, listen up and enjoy. I appreciate you. Hey guys, my name is Galit Friedlander. I've worn many hats in the dance world over the last 15 plus years and have created Dance Speak as a platform for people in the dance industry to share their stories and blueprints for success. So listen up and get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and get personal with the people behind the movements you love. I am sitting here with Nicole the Pole, also known as Nicole the Soul Coach. Okay. Nicole, before we get into talking about life finances and just great <laughs> gems overall, what are some of the jobs that you've done in the music industry? Uh, well, you may know me from Rihanna's Poured Up. That's the movie, the video that I'm most known for. That I'm that people still. I have clients who literally come from out of town. and They're like, I started pole dancing because I saw you in the Rihanna Poured Up video. That's one of my favorite things to hear. Like. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that video has sparked literally thousands of women pole dance, which is freaking awesome. 
Um, so I did Rihanna's Pour It Up. Uh, next, I think I did Neo. No, I did Bruno Mars, uh, the gorilla video. But in that video, I doubled. So I doubled for Frida Pinto. And then I got to perform with Bruno Mars in Amsterdam at the Ziggo Dome for the European Music Awards, MTV. Oh, my gosh. Bruno Mars has never had a dancer on stage with him, okay? I was... I'm literally the first person to be a dancer on stage with Bruno Mars and not in the background, side by side, side by side. Like that's epic shit. Like that goes down in history. So that, um, I did Neo She Knows. I did uh, Chris Brown and Tyga, Bitches and Marijuana. I did DJ Khaled, Chris Brown, uh, How Many Times. Mike Will, uh, the song called Drinks on Us. I performed with Ludacris in concert. Uh, this was like a year or two ago, and I performed to uh, How Low and Pussy Poppin'. <laughs> this was two years ago. Uh, and then I just recently, uh, this video came out in December of 2018, Cardi B Money. She opens and closes the video. I open and close it. Uh, what else have I done? I always feel like I'm forgetting like that's to, okay if there's anything you're like putting yeah but that, but that, yeah that's you can you can look me up Any, anything you see pole dancer on is usually me and you'll know it's me because I do this air walk so usually people can identify me they see that air walk with me walking in the air or you'll see me doing this upside down like booty twerk or something like most people are like okay that's Nicole DePaul yeah <laughs> do you have a favorite artist that you've danced for and who and why Bruno Mars. Mm, um, why did I know you'd say that? <laughs> and the reason because, two, so I want to tell you like really how law of attraction works. So in, with two things, um, especially with the money video, the Cardi B money video. When I first heard that song, I was like, oh my God, this song goes so hard. It's so bomb. Also, I didn't follow Cardi B, but people always, always see her videos. And I was like, I like this chick. Like, there was just something that I liked about her. And then when I saw that she came out with music, and I was like, oh, she's putting it down. I have a respect for the underdog. I just do. Like, I like people who come up from nothing. And mm -hmm. she's one of those people. So I already had this respect for her, even though I wasn't this big follower of hers. I just had a respect for her. So, and I know a lot of people saying, oh, this is her 15 minutes. And I'm like, no, this bitch about to be here for a few hours, <laughs> some days and some months. And she is, you know what I mean? So I heard the song and I was like, this shit goes so hard. And I remember telling several people like, oh, you heard the new Cardi B Money song? One of my friends, Craig Robinson, who's an actor, we went to breakfast and I was like, yo, you heard the Cardi B Money song? And I like put it on my phone and I played it for him. So that all happens, right? Within like a few weeks period. And then I get a call for the Money Music video. Yay. I was like, are you freaking serious? I was like, I was just pumping this song so hard. So I have this connection. I respect her. I, I love her hustle. I love her come up. And then I love the song. I attracted the song. Yes. So that also happened with Bruno Mars. Two weeks before I booked Bruno Mars video, I happened to go on YouTube and I looked up Bruno Mars and I wanted to see his, uh, how he performed like you know because the way you hear people's music on the radio is one thing and then when you hear it in concert it's another thing so i heard a couple of songs that i liked and i was like oh let me see how he is in concert and i found some of his concert videos and i fell in love with them like that night and this was like i was late in the bed it's probably like 11 or 12 o'clock at night and i was like this dude is an amazing performer i was like i haven't seen anybody like him a long time i was like this dude is gonna be around i was like he sings he performs like he's like one of those old school talents and I'm an old school energy. So it was just something that I connected with. So a friend of mine used to date one of the guys in his in his band, like one of the other uh, singers. 
And so I actually messaged her on Facebook and I was like, yo, I was like, didn't you say you know somebody in Bruno Mars uh, in band? I was like, can you give me tickets to a concert or something? Cause I was like, this dude is fucking amazing. Two weeks later, the dude who's casting for the video calls me, Nicole, can I rent your studio out to cast for a music video? And he was the same person that did the Rihanna video, the casting. And so I was like, can I audition? He's like, of course you can audition. So I don't know what it's for. I'm doing my audition. I mean, I'm sitting at my front desk and he's having people come in and I'm like, so who's the video for it? He's like, I really can't say. Something just told me, I was like, is it a guy? He's like, yeah. Something just said, I was like, is he a shorter guy? He's like, yeah. I was like, is it Bruno Mars? He's like, yeah. He's like, how'd you know? I was like, get the fuck out of here. Two weeks after I had this whole moment with him by myself, right? And then I booked the video. Booked the video. I'm on set. I remember uh, they were like trying to make a poll. Like they jimmy rigged the poll like onto a set. Like, it, you know what I mean? And they wanted me to come the day before to test it out to make sure that it was sturdy. So when I get there, Bruno Mars is on stage with some of the other like, you know, hand grips and all that stuff. And like just off the bat, our energy is like hella cool. Like we start cracking jokes and stuff. I'm testing out the poll and I'm just being me, which is, you know, I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just vibing with everybody. And I think there's somebody on set that I know from like the, the Rihanna video or something like that. And so I do the video. And prior to that video, I had whiplash. I had gotten into, uh, no, I didn't get into an accident. I was working out at 24 Hour Fitness in the leg press machine, the angled leg press, the seat unlatched and flew back while I was doing the leg press and my neck flew back. So I literally couldn't, um, I couldn't move my head. Like my head was stuck in this weird position. So I went to go do that thing, but I couldn't really move. Like I couldn't do anything. So I'm like trying to do stuff on the pole without trying to like uh, get this sharp pain in my, in my Mm -hmm. neck. So the day I was, the first day I was booked, I still had whiplash, like severe, like I, my neck was stuck in some weird position. I didn't end up having to do no pole that day. I prayed like all night, like, God, please, I need my neck to be able to move. I went to my chiropractor. She did work. She was like, she was like, you need another day. And I was like, I'm supposed to go on set. And luckily that day, I didn't have to do anything. The next day I woke up, I was able to finally move my head. And I worked my ass off. I hung out with like all the dudes in the band. Like I didn't know Bruno Mars, like the people that were in the band. I didn't know they were part of the group back then. I thought it was just Bruno Mars. So all the guys that are in his band, you know, all the other singers, they were on set that day. I thought they were extras because they were just so cool. I'm thinking they extras. I'm just hanging out with them the whole time, vibing with them, you know, real cool with them. And then everybody just loved my energy on set. Bruno and his manager asked me both individually the last day of set. They were like, uh, would you be interested in going to Europe to perform? I didn't know what for. I was just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> also, another tricky thing was the day that I was on set, that was when they released the Rihanna Porta video. So I remember being going back into this other room and then on TV, Access Hollywood is on and they start playing the video and there I am on screen. Now, again, the video had not come out yet. The video, we did the video in May. It's September when I shoot this Bruno Mars thing. So we thought the video wasn't gonna come out because normally videos come out within three weeks after filming. It was months later. So I'm like, how am I on TV right now? Like, how am I on the screen? Like, it didn't register. They were showing the video and they were making a big deal out of the pole dancer in the video, which was me. And then, and then from that moment, shit just took off. And I remember Bruno going, he's like, oh man, now people are gonna think that I copied her. <laughs> 
Because literally, he booked me to do pole dance in that video. Rihanna video wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. It literally came out that 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 last day of set, mm-hmm. which was so crazy. And then from there, next thing you know, I'm a big thing. I was I did Access Hollywood. I was on doing all these interviews and blogs and uh, online radio stuff. And then from there, the name just went crazy. And that's how Nicole DePole became like this big thing. <laughs> that's, that's my friend. <laughs> totally crazy. That's and that all happened six years after I started pole dancing. I never knew any of that was going to happen. And I just, I ran with it. I literally have been all over the world because of pole, because of that video. Would you ever think? I would have never thought. Crazy. So I saw this uh, post yesterday and it said, it's interesting that people think they can use all your resources to produce what you produced. I can give you the playbook, the blueprint, and the Rolodex. I'm the magic. And so that just made me go on this long tangent, like an eight minute video that I recorded and posted it. And I was just talking about how so many people don't go after their ideas and goals because they're worried about somebody copying it or people are always... Uh, I see a lot of people posting online, oh, somebody copied this, somebody copied this from me, this is my move, or this, this, this. And I'm like, you don't own anything. And even if you could have my same website content, you could teach the same tricks that I tri- that I teach, but you're not me. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't have my magic. You don't have my je ne sais quoi. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to bring my energy. You can't copy that. Like, I just had a lady book me today for a party to do in San Diego because she had me teach a party before. She's paying me a $200 travel charge. She could book a studio in San Diego to do her party. Mm. But my magic, which you can't duplicate, there's not another studio in San Diego that could have gotten that customer because they met me. They, they met my magic. So I just went on a whole rant about that, how people just need to do what they want to do. Um, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I don't know if I should do this because, you know, it's oversaturated. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing. The world is abundant. There are millions of people out here. You can open, I was like, you can open up, I I had a pole dance studio on Pico. There was another studio four blocks away. And some people were like, isn't that too close? No, because people are not finding our business walking down the street or driving down the street. They find us online. So we could be next door to each other. If anything, if you're smart, that actually could help our business, our businesses together. Like, I want my students to be to go and see other instructors because you need to learn from a variety of different people if you want to be great at your art. So, like me, I only teach a certain way. I can't, I'm not going to teach you choreography. You know, I'm not going to teach you how to jiggle your booty in the best way. You know, I can do a little baby twerking. You know what I mean? But there's certain things I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go super duper advanced and beat up my body. So there's another instructor that can give you that. And I want you to go see her so that you can get that stuff. I like to have different, I like to have different instructors at my studio so that they all are teaching different things. Stuff that I'm not able to do. Um, so yeah, get, just get out there and, and do you. Don't, like, don't worry about what other people are doing. That's so interesting <clears throat> because like the dance world, so I'm going to say, and tell me, I don't want it to be offensive or anything, I'm going to say dance world meaning like the traditional yeah. hip hop, choreography, and then can we say pole world to yeah. distinguish the pole world. Mm-hmm. Cool. So for the dance world, I know there's loads of that, the feeling of like, you know, me and her are the same type. We look the same way. We get cast in the same roles. It's me or her. Mm-hmm. Although you hear sometimes that can be your bookend and it can be a positive thing. But there's that. There's in the teacher's world, it starts being like, this is my steeds. This is what I started. Mm-hmm. This is the term I coined. And I think the hard thing is because a lot of different members of the dance world, choreographers, dancers, teachers alike, they don't get paid their worth. And sometimes 
it feels like someone else has run with that idea. So I think it's really cool to hear that perspective. Yeah, and that person is, people try to claim so much because Mm -hmm. they feel threatened. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you try to control, if you try to say, this is my, my, mine, you're actually only limiting yourself. Uh, I remember with this podcast, even I'll call myself out, it was, I think, in its first year. And I, um, so like I didn't have that many guests and there was a guest I was super excited about. And at the time there were not many, there still aren't that many dance podcasts out. And the ones that there are, I've started reaching out to them over Mm -hmm. the years. And there was someone that I knew who had like started a podcast and interviewed the same person. And I saw a clip and they were asking the same question that I had asked. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, because they have, and I hope if this person's listening, they understand, (laughs) like I'm not throwing you under the bus and calling myself out, if anything. But yeah. I felt really disempowered at that moment because mm-hmm. I felt like they had such a bigger following and, like, they could have talked to me, just been, like, heads up or chosen someone else. Um, anyways, I ended up calling that person up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just had a talk, and it was, like, real, and it was, like, okay, cool. Like, we just needed to have a talk. But I felt like I'm pushing and trucking, and it was hard for me to get that person. And then, like, that, they have a bigger platform. It might look like I plagiarized. So I'm glad you said that because that was one of the things that I mentioned on my IG rant. Mm. You have different audiences. Mm-hmm. So it don't matter if you interview the same people because there's certain people that are going to see your podcast that are never going to see the other person's podcast. Mm. There are people who are going to see that person's podcast that are never going to see yours. So it's great that you, that other person, and 10 other people are interviewing that person. Yeah. That's why if you watch TV, if you watch the Entertainment Tonight shows, you're going to see the same interview, the same person talking about their movie. When people go to talk to their movie, they go to different, different news stations. They're saying the same stuff because different audiences. I can, to me, you can sell the same product. We're going to get different results mm-hmm. based on our energy, based on what we're focused on, based on our our. our our business skills, our integrity, like all of that, our creativity. And so that's why there's no such thing as uh, oversaturation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As a dance teacher, you could be teaching people online. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be here <laughs> in L.A. You know what I mean? There's so much opportunity, but you have to think outside that, that limited view of the, that box. Like I mentioned, too, I was like, when you, when you drive on the freeway or on the street, look at all the people around you. There's so many so many people out there and for and for you know us as people to be like oh there's not enough or I don't know if I'll be able to do it it's that's it's just not true but if you think that you you will you will get that result you will see that it will be true for you if you believe it and the dance world can feel so small also so mm-hmm. it can feel limited and limiting do you does the whole world feel small it does it to me but there guess what there's somebody else that's saying it is small mm-hmm. you know what I mean um Again, it's based on your thought system. I believe there's so much opportunity, so therefore I get opportunity. I got uh, contacted about a music video for next week. I don't know what it is yet, but there's somebody else. Let's say I was in a negative mindset and I'm like, you know what, I'm I'm not messing with videos no more. I turn down videos just because they don't pay enough. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? This video, I still don't know what it's gonna pay. And what I'll do is I'll pass it on to somebody else. Now that's another opportunity that another person has. And it's still an opportunity for me to present something to somebody else. So I don't feel like it's something that I'm losing out on because I know that's going to come back to me. It's the reason I feel that I actually book so many jobs because I pass on, I pass jobs to other people. Either coming on the video set with me or, you know what, this is not for me. You know, somebody else may want 250 Not like I don't want 250 too for a video, but I just feel like my uh, I'm worth more than being too, paid 250 
for a video shoot, especially when my activity level is so much harder than anybody else on set. Like, I don't feel like I should be getting paid the same thing as a model who's just standing there to look cute on camera when I have to physically use my body for, you know, minutes or hours throughout the day. So I want to get paid for that and for the, the energy that I bring, you know what I mean? Like when I'm on set, everybody like, what's up, Nicole, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that, that has value to it. And you have to, for myself, I, I feel it's important to turn down those jobs because if I don't, then I'll keep attracting jobs at that level. Mm-hmm. When I turn it down, I'm telling the universe, no, I want something bigger and better. And that usually happens. When I, when I turn down a job, I'm saying like, universe, come on, bring me something else, baby, let's go. And then boom, I'm getting a call for something else. And it may not be a music video, but it's something else and it's still paying me more. So it's like, does it matter? You know what I mean? So you gotta, to all the dancers out there, <laughs> don't be afraid to pass up a job unless you like, you really, really need the money. Like there's been times where I've picked up a job because I'm like, I need this money right now. Mm-hmm. But if, it, if that's not the case, I'm gonna tell the universe, you know what? I want some money, yes, but I'd rather get paid more for this job. So bring me another opportunity where I can get my value. I've even had jobs where the, the, the pay was not enough on a music video, but I rent my pole stage too. And now, now like I had a job that I wanted seven fifty on it. They were like, we can give you five hundred. I was like, you need pole stage? They were like, yeah, pole stage two fifty. I still got my seven fifty. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to think like that. You got you to think outside the box, but also you got to claim it. You got to say, this is what I want to be getting paid, and then you'll start attracting opportunities to pay you that amount. But if you always buckle, if you always give in just to that, to that lower paying job, that'll be the reason you keep attracting those lower end jobs and then you become resentful how come people don't want to pay me because that's what you always say yes to it's like saying yes to the relationship to the guy that's a knucklehead you know you're like why do i keep attracting all these bad men well because you always play with them (laughs) the talk that we've had to have (laughs) you know but you'll attract that but when you start saying no to, to stuff that you don't want then the universe goes oh okay you ready you ready for the good stuff now is there a time professionally where you felt you were super tested on that and it was like really hard to make the choice? Um, the Cardi B video mm-hmm. for the money video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had my rate and they were like, uh, and so the guy came back. He was like, okay, we can't do that. And I was almost like, you know, sometimes I, I still, even though I just said what I just said, I still go, oh, I hope they just don't go to somebody else. But I've learned over the years and about negotiation, people will never just go the other op- uh, the other way when you say you don't want you want you want more. They'll negotiate with you. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they'll just be like, okay, if they said the the video is paying five hundred, I'm like, oh, I want seven fifty. They won't just go somewhere else. They'll say, Nicole, can you do six hundred or can you do five hundred? So allow the the space for negotiation. Um, don't be afraid of a person just walking away because most times people won't people will be like hey can you do a little bit and so what I did for that video they wanted to pay less so I was like well can you get me in and out because you know most times they're trying to have you there all day so they Mm -hmm. actually shot my scene first so I got paid less than what I wanted but I was like it's a Cardi B video and the exposure I'm like the exposure I'll get from that will end up being where I get my bonus like I'll get paid like I'm still booking jobs off the Rihanna video which was six years ago. Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the job paid one thing, but I'm still getting paid. I've made thousands of dollars because somebody saw me in the Rihanna video. That's, like tens of thousands. That's so dope. And I don't want to, um, not to take away from it, but there's like a conversation. I feel like I'm being so <laughs> negative. I feel like I could be hardball a no, little yeah. bit. And I love everything you're saying at the same time. With the dance world, there's a lot about like, and I dancers listening, I know I don't speak for all of you, just 
like trends and things that I've heard and experienced is that it's always like, okay, copy credit or like they're these big artists and it's like, okay, I'll get exposure, but it's either you're not getting paid anything or it's still very low for the industry. Mm-hmm. And there's a question of like, okay, well, at what point does it stop? You know what I mean? If we're getting paid off of exposure, like, is that right? I'm not doing exposure jobs. Not at this but stage. But even when it's like a low rate. Oh, lower end. So yeah. that's when you get to decide. Like, yeah. I get to decide as a person. So what I thought of, okay, it's not, it's not paying me what I want to pay, but they're getting me in and out in four hours. And based yeah. on the four hours and the payment I'm going to get, okay, it makes sense now. Sure. See what I'm saying? So yeah. that's how I made it work for me. And then, again... If I'm not, I get to make that decision. Do I want to do this? And I get to create something for myself. I get to say, all right, universe, you're going to put me in this video. Give me more jobs off of it. Ooh. Versus, oh, I'm only getting paid this and then having this negative feeling around doing the video. I'm probably not going to get anything else out of that booking. Mm-hmm. But I created an energy that said, okay, I'm not getting paid the amount that I want, but it's going to produce additional income later on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you always have that mentality, or how did you learn it? Through my readings. <laughs> yeah. When did that start? Because you're so self-realized. You're a life coach. Mm-hmm. What, what, yeah, what um, I started doing readings on spirituality and metaphysical studies. I started in about 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first book, the jump-off book, I call it. <laughs> the book that turned everything around was Conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And it's by uh, Neil Donald Walsh and a friend of mine who was like one of my mentors he told me to order that book and at the time I was Muslim and so I was like and I didn't really believe in a God um, and so I was like I'm not reading no book that got God in the title you Were know you what I mean Muslim? no I wasn't but okay. at the time I was okay. um, I was Muslim for like six years from like 99 2005 mm-hmm. and so I re- so I was just something one day was just like I was looking at the book on the bookshelf and something just said pick up the book you know, you just have that little message in your head again. This book's sitting there for two years, and I finally just went to pick up the book. And when I tell you I didn't put that book down, like I read that book like every day for probably about three to four days, and I was just like locked in. And it just reminded me of my of my true self as a human. You know how we like we have this innate knowing of things that we know, and then you get taught other stuff through your family and all this stuff that doesn't make sense. When I read that book, it reminds you of your truth and I just remember going like oh my god I used to think that oh my god I knew that too and I used to think I used to say that too it was like all this stuff that I could agree with you know so that felt good um and then from there I started reading books by Deepak Chopra mm. and Marion Williamson like I just went on a reading spree for about uh two years I started going to Agape I started taking courses on meditation forgiveness uh, uh, prayer, spiritual prayer treatment. So it just, it was just like this kind of this rolling ball effect. And I remember my apartment, my first apartment in Inglewood, my rent was $550. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had my part. My first apartment was $550 a month. There's one big one bedroom, but I didn't, the blinds in my apartment, they never were opened. When I, after I read that, read that book, I started opening my blinds. Like literally the light came on. So for anybody out there, if you're looking for like something to, to create a spark, to create where you want to feel connected, some creativity, you want to get your juices flowing, read that book. And I just told my younger brother who is 21, I just told him to read it and he's already gotten past like two or three chapters. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I've been smiling a lot since I've been reading the book because he's connecting with stuff. 
So yeah, that's one of the books. And then Deepak Chopra, uh, Seven, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. That's yes. another one of my favorites. And I actually just reread that a few months ago. And it was just, again, it was just that reminder. Reading is all about reminding you of what you already know and removing the stuff, the blocks, the negative thinking, the limited thinking. It's about moving that shit out the way so you can get back to who God says you are. I love that. Especially because like, I wasn't reading books. I don't like the term self-help because mm-hmm. it implies there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I call it self-development. Not that I'm the only one, but I yeah. refer to it as self-development. Self-development, yeah, transformation. I was a bit of a snob about it because I had done like landmark and self development. Yeah. You know, I've done my self development <laughs> courses. Not that it ever needs to end. Uh-huh. And they were like books. They're not going to get you. That's how I heard it. Mm-hmm. And now I've been starting to realize like it feels good to just have those words in my consciousness when I'm reading something. Yeah. And it affirms that to hear it from you. Mm-hmm. So when you were like 16, what did you think you were going to do when you grew up? I wanted to be a psychologist. <laughs> so I it's see crazy that. that. Oh my god! The work that so I, I didn't become a psychologist, but as far as what I wanted to do, working with people, mm-hmm. helping people transform their lives, helping kids who grew up like in abusive homes, mm-hmm. um, helping parents who were abusive to their kids, because that was what I grew up experiencing. Grew up a lot around anger and stuff like that. So I wanted to help kids and parents. Mm-hmm. And. If you look at what I do today, it's all about helping people. I'm a teacher, personal trainer, instructor. I'm a life coach now, which allows me to still help people in the way that I wanted to help people. So it's funny that you can be aiming for one thing and it may not work out the way you thought, but guess what? I still do what was always in my heart, which was to help people, help people make a difference, help people be better, like really be, be, feel good, be, not be angry, like be happy, be peaceful, like get there. And that's literally what my life has always been about. I'm constantly doing work on myself because the more work I do on myself, the more um, I can be of more benefit to other people. You know what I mean? Because people look at you, what you're doing. So it's like what they say. People don't pay attention to what you say. They pay attention to your actions. So my actions show that I'm always working on myself and doing the work. And my friends look to me. And (laughs) it's funny because that's another another thing that happened was I, I developed this spiritual ego. And a, a friend of mine, she's a spiritual practitioner, she was like, uh, that happens. So you get into reading these books and you start uh-huh. to feel like, I, I started to feel like, you know, I know, I know it all. I know everything. Like, life is good. Like, it's just going to be going up from here. And then three years ago, I hit dep- I started experiencing depression. I started having negative thoughts. I'm like, how the fuck is this happening? Like, this, how is this possible? I'm like, I'm supposed to be good. Because I thought that because I knew so much that I had this understanding that I understood the spiritual laws I thought that was something that could never happen to me and it did and it knocked me on my fucking ass like you know you've been seeing me cry recently and shit (laughs) and so for anybody out there if you if you ever think like you're just gonna have life figured out one day you're not Mm -mm. and I wish I would have had heard more conversations like that because I didn't hear that and that's why it was such a, a shock to me to think that I had it all figured out, I'm making buku money, my business is doing well, life is great, and then to be hit in the gut, in the heart space, all of that. But really, I had to create a situation like that because there was so much still that I did not know. So how do you deal with negativity? Because I know you, like, I I don't hear you stew in -hmm. negative things and talk about low vibrational things, but also... We go through what we go through, our mm-hmm. lows as well. So how do you deal with like being true to those moments but also not getting too stuck in the rabbit hole? That's what I'm working on right now. Ooh. Shit. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's Literally, true. I'm dealing with that right now because I'm not making the amount of money that I used to make when I had my my, my dance studio And I'm going to ask you about that. Um, I was doing good. Mm-hmm. I was making multiple six figures, you know, doing really, really good. And then to have closed my dance studio, which was a decision I made just because I wasn't in love with doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I knew I was trying to move on. I just... And I didn't really prepare myself. Like, I didn't know it was... Like, I thought I was going to close my dance studio. I had got certified to be a life coach. And I thought, I'm just about to take off. People already know me. People have seen my hustle. So you're going to transition into life coaching? Yeah, just straight life coaching. And still do pole on the side and personal training. Like, you know, I still wanted to be like this mind, body, spirit coach. And so it didn't happen like that. And what guys... And so this is funny. When I got certified, like, you know, I always do these affirmations. So one of the things I said was, you know, I want to impact millions of lives, right? So I I have this thing that I always say now. I was like, when I made that affirmation, God was like, okay, you want to affect millions of people? Let me tell you everything you don't know, boo. Ooh. So everything I did not know was being vulnerable. I wasn't that compassionate. I was judgy as fuck. Like, I didn't even think I was a judgmental person, but I realized that I was. And I was really judgmental with myself. And the more judgmental you are with yourself, you actually are then judgmental to other people because you project. So over the last three years, I experienced depression. That was one of the things that I judged. My mother was, I grew up with my mother being depressed and Mm -hmm. bipolar. And so I never thought it was real. I always, you just kind of just like, was like, whatever. You just don't know how to handle your thoughts. Like just real, just like put her down because of that. Mm -hmm. Half the world is depressed. So if I have a judgment about depressed people, that's, that's people that I can't even affect or talk to because I have a judgment about it. So if I want to affect millions of lives, the universe goes, oh, let me, let me have you experience this so that you really then know, right? So I had to experience that. Mm. Money problems. I thought I was through with money problems. <laughs> it's crazy. Whenever I feel like I'm earning, I feel like I will always earn. And whenever I'm not, it almost feels like I'll never earn again. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the biggest hit. Like, it's one thing to be in your 20s and you're not making money. Like, you're making just enough to get by. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to be making a lot of money, but then get knocked back so down. Almost, that hurts more. I want to hear about, it could be done like an abbreviated version, mm-hmm. but kind of, we're working backwards, I okay. guess. <laughs> well, can I, is it over-interrupting you if we go into you and pole intersecting? So when you started maybe doing pole mm-hmm. and kind of when it became apparent that this was really going to be a thing for you and then opening the studio, because that's a big uh-huh. undertaking. So prior to pole dance, I was doing personal training. That's what I started doing. Wait, so I'm obsessed with multiple hat wears. I am one and I've always wanted, to, like, that's my nature. Uh-huh. I think it's your nature. Oh, uh, yes. So you started as a personal started trainer. Started as a personal trainer. So I've only had one nine to five job, and that was when I was 19. So what 19 was it? to 20. I was doing like order processing. So I was running credit cards for uh, as a telemarketing company, mm-hmm. and they sold uh, foreclosure listings. So I was a person, I just ran the credit cards, and that was mm-hmm. it. Build them, build them for their order, whatever. So I did that for a year, in a, like a year and a half. That was my only job. It foreshadowed the Cardi B money video. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, I actually got fired because I always was taking days off. So I had this amazing boyfriend. He'd be like, he was like, why don't you take off today? And he would pay me $100, which is like about what I made. He would give me $100. He just laid a little $100 bill right there and be like, let's go just do some fun shit today. (laughs) And so... And we started doing that more, right? Like, and, I, and this is it too. I wasn't like really happy with my job. I was like, I wanted to make more money. I was making like $12 an hour or something. And I wanted to make more because I was like, I'm the one running the credit cards. Like, <laughs> I should be getting paid more. <laughs> it's, okay, so let me just go off real quick. 
when you work for someone else's business, you have the most, I had the most selfish attitude and most worker bees do because you think that you're the one running the business, but you're not. The person who owns the business is the person that really is doing all the work. I and mean, people don't get that when they're a worker bee. Um, or I don't like to say like worker bee, but meaning you're like, you're the person that's working for the person. And, it's, and those two people have completely different mindsets. When I, um, when I started doing personal training, I was training for myself. I started working with some friends who were trainers. And so I started shadowing them, mm-hmm. learning how to train. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then I like started making my own business cards. Like this was back in the day, there was no social media. So I was putting my cards on people's cars, leaving them in stores, at the laundromat, the car wash, like that was, that was my hustle. And then just being out telling people, me having a tank top on, my arms were my business card. People would be like, oh my God, your arms, how can I get your arms? And I'd be like, oh, I'm a personal trainer. <laughs> so I started like that and then at 25, a friend of mine, he owned a gym, and he asked me if I wanted to open up a gym together in L.A. because he had one in Long Beach. Wow. So we partnered up and opened that gym together. I invested about 10000 of my own money now. I'm impressed that you had 10000 like, Let me tell you okay. why. I had just started reading the books. So I had read this one book. Write this down, people. This one book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I read this book in 2005. So I started. I read that book, and I started doing the things that he was saying in the book, like as far as like how to save money and put money to the side and break up it into these different accounts and stuff. So I started doing that. And then when I started doing that, I started making more money. So it was just so perfect that because I read that book, because I started saving my money, that I was then presented with an opportunity to invest in something, which was a business with a partner. Had I not read that book, had I not picked up those skills, I would have went into that business as just more working for him and not kind of being like an equal partner. So you have to set yourself up like by reading and investing in yourself, your knowledge, so that you can be, like they say, when opportunity meets a... Preparation. When preparation meets opportunity or something like that. that? (laughs) Oh my God. So I was prepared and then I was presented with an opportunity. I was not... You have the book? I have not read it. And I get... Did I give you this? No. Okay. <laughs> I sell these books too. Like really? when I do my workshops, read that book. It's going to change your life. So, sorry, I have this book. It's been living on my bookshelf, bookshelf. for years. <laughs> oh my God, it smells like old book and there's a business card. So okay, literally she has the book that I was just talking about. Okay. See, it's one of those things. It's on your bookshelf and then you don't even realize. So that's just a metaphor for life. The thing that's so great about that book, it teaches you how to, you create these different accounts. So you create your necessities account, which is 50% of your income. Mm-hmm. You have your financial freedom account, your long-term savings, your play money, and your tithing. And so 50% of your income goes into your necessities. Of course, more if you have to, but then you put 10% into all those other accounts. And then there's education as well, education account. Um, And so I started doing that. Whenever I got cash, I would break it up. So I put 50% in there and I put 10, 10, 10. Like say if I got $100 and I just break it up like that. But I have a real practical question Uh that I should know the answer to, but if you don't. (laughs) I I wanted to do, um, open up multiple bank accounts recently. Uh And I went to Bank of America and like I couldn't get a clear answer really on how to do it or like do you need a minimum you can create sub accounts usually with any bank account that you have oh okay. like online you can make a sub account so let's say oh. if you deposited five hundred dollars into your checking account mm-hmm. you could then half of that is 250 so you would keep the 250 in there and then you would break up that other 250 
into the other accounts. I could do sub account. <coughs> yeah. Into it. It's exactly. Or what I would do is I would keep envelopes at home or jars. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's what they kind of talk about in the book. Like if you get a lot of cash, so I would just break it up into envelopes, and then I would keep those little envelopes in my purse, like in a little book. So like if I got a hundred dollars from somebody, I'd just be like ten into that one, ten into that one, ten into that one, ten into that one, and then fifty in the other one. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing that, you it's teaching you how to be a better money manager but it's teaching you to allot money to different things most of us like i know for myself i would just consume the money and then it just goes everywhere <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and you can't expect more from the universe if you're not managing what you have properly so this teaches you about how to really manage your money it's called mastering the inner game of wealth and wealthy people know how to manage their money that's how you stay wealthy plain and simple you can't be wealthy if you don't know how to manage your shit Mm-hmm. You can't be successful if you don't have to manage your business. Same thing. If you don't manage your body, your body's not going to produce the results that you want. Um, okay, let's get back on topic. We got Okay, off. so you said you started that. I'm just so interested about it. Oh, yeah, so I opened the gym with my partner. We had that for two years now. <laughs> that takes a lot to open a business, a brick-and-mortar business. Well, he already did it before, so okay. that was the upside. So I was with somebody that did it before, but... Because he already had his own business, he already had, had other stuff that he did, like he did real estate and all other stuff. So I was managing, I was basically running the business, learning how to run the business as I was doing it. Um, and that was where I got, that was, where my, that was my, my training wheel period. So I did that for two years and I wasn't making enough income from the business. Now, the, the, at the time, the gym was making about anywhere from five to 8000 a month. Mm-hmm. If that was a single-owned business, that would be a lot of money. But it was the both of us, and we were splitting it, plus the bills, the the the, the lease. The insurance. The, uh, insurance is just, uh, you pay your insurance for the year. Insurance okay. is not a monthly thing. But the lease, the utilities, you know, the bills, any type of extra equipment you may need, and all that stuff. So I was only making, I was only actually taking home like $3,000. Mm-hmm. So I was making less than when I was working at the gym prior to that, because at the gym I was making four to 5000 So again, I'm still only 25. That's about all that I need, right? So after a while, that started becoming stressful. And then at the time I was young, I had that, uh, I like to call it that selfish mindset again, because I was working for somebody. So I thought because he already had money, because he already had another business, I felt like he should give me more. That was just selfish young attitude, right? Now that I'm older, I realize how fucking selfish that was. Like, if we open up a business together, and that was his mindset. He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was like, "This is we split the income, we split the business, we invested in it together. We, now, I could have had a conversation with him to ask, like, hey, do you mind giving me a bigger split? Because I can't, you know, I'm not able to t- afford taking care of myself right now. But I didn't know how to communicate that at the time. So... That ended up being uh, the conflict as to why we closed the business. Okay. But... I had two years of learning how to run a business. So it was literally, it was my setup. So after that, um, prior to me closing the gym, I had started pole dancing, which was in 2007. So I started teaching private lessons in my house. I bought three poles for the gym and I started teaching my clients. So by the time we closed the studio, I'm teaching pole dance now. I'm still doing personal training. I know how to run a business now because I've done it for two years, which is how I was then able to open up my pole dance studio. So it was like everything... Like, you never know how life is lining up until you look back at it. Like, mm-hmm. I was literally being prepared to do the, the business I was going to do. Um, and so, uh, after we closed the gym, I started doing private lessons from home, personal training still on the side, and I just started stacking my money. And then I started doing pole, and I was like, okay, I need to do a place with more pole. So, I started renting a place for like $30, $40 an hour, and I would teach like two classes three days a week. 
and then just pay the guy like that, pay him weekly. And then I just started stacking my money. I was making like 2,000 a month, 3,000 a month, 4,000 a month, and it started going up higher and higher. I started teaching more classes. And I had ended up, I was booking so many clients. I don't even know where the clients are coming from. They were just coming. Like, it was wow. crazy. I made, like, some old website on GoDaddy. Yeah. And then next thing you know, people were calling. Because, again, there's only, like, two pole studios at the time. Pole is not even a thing yet. Like, people still think stripper dancing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even a thing yet. Um, but I started making, like, I was making, like, $8,000 a month at this little side little studio. Not even, it's not even my own place. 8000 a month. <laughs> That's what I got up to. And I started, I had hired two girls uh, to work for me. So it was just us three. And then they were teaching days. And then at my gym that I used to own my partner, another friend of mine ended up taking over that space. So then I started teaching classes out of that space too. So I literally had two locations going that were not my own spaces. So for anybody out there who wants to start a business, don't try to start off big, start small. Mm-hmm. This is what I tell people all the time. Like, don't be trying to you need to learn like go rent a space go rent somebody else's space you can sometimes like my studio for instance i taught classes at night my studio was available during the day find somebody that you can use their space when they're not using it so many businesses out there that are not using their business 24 hours a day you can be using that space during that time and just paying them a little fee and you can be getting your money and you want to start stacking your money and then start stacking your business mindset be reading. I was still reading books on business. I was going to business seminars. T. Harp Ecker has a business seminar called uh, the Gorilla Business Seminar. Mm-hmm. I did that, which just gave me tools on marketing and how to deal with your customers and all of that, all that stuff that I learned. I don't even remember it now, but it's just ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. And you just carry it with you. So I did that. I stacked my money, and then I was able to open up my pole dance studio myself with my own money, no loans, no credit cards, nothing. And I'm so glad I did it that way. And I wanted to ask for money, but one of my other friends, who was one of my mentors, he was like, he was like, if you're not looking to spend over $50,000, he was like, you shouldn't be asking nobody for money. And at first my feelings was hurt, but I was like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Aren't you supposed to get a loan? He was like, no, that's what you do when you need a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He was like, you need 20 grand. He was like, you need to learn how to save that money yourself and make it yourself because if you can't, you don't need to be in business. Like, he just laid it out straight like that, and I was like, and I was in a space to where I trusted him, to where I was like, okay, if he said it, then it must be true. And it was, because if I would have gotten a loan, I would have already been in debt when I started my business. And I would have stayed in debt, because I would have not learned how to make money and save money. Like, people have to get that. Don't go into your, especially if you don't know how to run a business either. Mm -hmm. Like, big companies get out loans, because they're a company that already knows how to run the business. Like, for instance, you can't open up a McDonald's without going to the McDonald's school mm-hmm. or being like, or having an MBA. Like there's certain businesses where you have to already know how to do that business before you open it. A lot of people that open up businesses but don't know how to do business yet, those are the businesses that close in a year or two years because they don't know yet and they should have started smaller. So always start small. If you want to open up a dance studio, start teaching dance studios out of your garage. Start teaching dance classes out of your out of your apartment, out of your home, out of somebody else's home. There's somebody with a back, use the backyard. Be outside, rent the, you know, all these dance studios, rent their spaces out, rent a room somewhere, stack your money, build your classes that way, start learning how to do the business, and then use your own money to then invest into your thing. Mm-hmm. Or work at a dance studio, because that way you learn, how is the studio running everything? How does it happen? What are they using to schedule clients? How do they retain their clients? Like, all that stuff, you want to take the time. Don't be in a rush to fail. Mm. 
do not be in a, in a rush to set yourself up to fall hard when you can go a little bit slower and build it bigger. So your business was thriving. Yes, yeah, so my business was thriving. So I opened uh, my polls. I started pole in 2007. I opened my actual studio in 2009. Wow, that's a quick turnover. Two how, years. How were you so amazing at teaching so quickly? Because I had the personal training background. So I already Got stood it. body mechanics. I already stood teaching. I already understood that stuff. So and when I was doing pole, I wasn't great. I thought I was great, though. You couldn't tell me nothing. I thought I could go upside down, but everything looked horrible. I didn't know how to point my toes. I didn't know how to move my hips, but I was just like, oh, I'm going upside down. I'm climbing the pole. I was sending my videos to people, like my guy friends, thinking I was like cute and sexy. I was wearing my little Calvin Klein boy short sets. <laughs> and I was sending my videos and I'd be, check this out. And I remember one of my guy friends going, okay, you strong. You got the tricks. He was like, but it's not sexy. Oh <laughs> Did you feel discouraged by that? I didn't. It just made me want to go harder. It made me want to practice more. I was like, okay, I got to get this shit. I got to get this stuff. And then I remember... When I started, there weren't many videos to look at. Like, it was like this one girl on YouTube who I used to watch, and it was like another lady who owned the studio. I was like, oh, this white chick. I was like, she's pretty sexy. And I remember, but she was a, like, she was a former stripper. Like, so she already knew dance, and she was like from circus arts background. Her name was Leanne. And I was like, this white girl got a little swag to her. So I remember I went to her studio like four times to like learn like two or three different tricks that I couldn't figure out on my own. And I saw that she had a pole dance studio, and I was like, okay, wait a minute. She got a pole dance studio. I was like, people are taking classes. I was like, I can do this shit then. Because I saw somebody else doing it. Like, I didn't have necessarily that mindset to open a pole studio before. I just knew I was in love with doing pole at my house. And I was like, this is going to revolutionize fitness for women. That was one of the, the aha moments that I had. Like, when I started doing it, I was like, and I noticed, too, how I was making my body feel and my arms were cutting up more in a different way. I wasn't as bulky, but I was still, like, cut. And so the mindset that I took on was, I'm going to teach women how to do this. And I was like, this is going to be the way that women actually start liking to work out versus going to the gym. Like people don't like going to the gym unless they're like former athletes and shit. The average person just wants to have a good time. So I was like, this is what's going to do it. And that was my mindset. And that's why I believe that I excelled so, so far into it because my mission was to, ch to change people's perception about pole dance. And I wanted people to see how fun it was and that it wasn't necessarily difficult. You just had to learn it. Like mm -hmm. the beginner stuff. You know what I mean? Like when I started, I was doing the beginner shit, just like basic spins. The advanced stuff is hard, but the advanced in anything is difficult. You got to start as a beginner. So I know this is jumping over a lot, but, mm -hmm. and you said like there was an aspect of it you stopped loving, but how did you really discern to close down the studio and why not give it to someone else? If you're making good money and... <laughs> so, the the last year before I closed it, things started slowing down. Mm -hmm. And that's because I had got, uh, what do you call it? it uh, I want to say arrogant. I got uh, content. I got into that space where I was like, oh, I'm doing so good. Like, I don't really got to do nothing no more. So, I was at home sitting on the couch just enjoying life and shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I thought I was doing just amazing. Mm -hmm. I got cocky. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. I got cocky. And so when you get cocky, <laughs> you get knocked on your ass. You know what I mean? But it was like, it's all things that you have to learn. Like when you have new money, mm -hmm. you're always going to fuck it off in the beginning because it's new to you. So I experienced that. I was humble at first about it. Like I remember looking into my banking account. I'm like, oh my God, I got $20,000 just revolving in my checking account. I got $40,000 in my savings. And I remember looking at that going, wow. And again, I'm using my techniques that I learned from T. Harbecker, right? Mm -hmm. I'm putting money to the side every month. Um, I'm paying off like my credit cards. I paid off in two years after I opened up my dance studio. I was $25,000 in credit card debt. 
I paid that off in two years. Wow. And one of the other big lessons, pay attention to this, folks. <laughs> Especially for the young ones out there. Like when you're coming into new and you start getting credit cards and stuff. So I was putting stuff on credit cards all the time. So this guy that I was dating, when I started making a little money, he, he like saw my bills. I was like, I'm paying my bills. He was like, how much are you paying off? I was like, the minimum. He was like, you know if you just only pay the minimum, you're going to always have that credit card bill. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you need to pay off more. And so I started paying off. So like if I had a credit card bill that was 50, then I started paying 100. I had another credit card bill that was like maybe 100 and something, and I upped that one to 200. So I just basically rounded up everything. Mm-hmm. And he said that if you want to pay your credit card off, you have to pay more than the minimum. He's yeah. like, you need to be paying two, three times more than the minimum. Of course, you can only do that if you can afford it, but you have to start that mindset at least. Like, if you can only afford, if your bill is 25 a month, then pay 50, you know, or whatever. Um, but you need to up it as much as you can. So I ended up doing that. And because he told me that, I was able to pay my credit cards off in two years. Just another life lesson from me listening to somebody older than me and taking that advice and then like really honing in and using it. Um, and then after that, and once the credit card is paid off now, I'm just saving money. Mm-hmm. So I'm saving money and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm making a lot of money and I'm not being uh, frivolous with my money. I'm, I'm very frugal still. Um, but, and I was tithing. Like that What's was another, tithing? Tithing is paying 10% of your income. To and charity? So, no. So oh. in the T. Harbecker book, it talks about that. <laughs> So most people think tithing from the church. They think tithing yeah. to a church. I don't tithe to churches. I tithe to people. Mm-hmm. I think I've probably tithed to you before. I don't know. <laughs> probably had. You probably just don't remember. There have been times where you've been like, I remember, like, I got this. <laughs> or like something like that, yeah. Ginger shot. But there's something. times where I've actually given people hundreds of dollars. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Like, so let's say I get, uh, let's say I made 7000 one month. 10% of that is $700. So I would literally you give take, these other people. I, yes, I would give. I've had friends that I've given seven hundred dollars to, and one of my mentors, who is a multimillionaire, I tithed to him one time, and I remember going, "I don't need to tithe to him." I was like, "He doesn't need the money." But tithing is not about tithing to someone in need. Tithing is about tithing to to give back to the universe mm-hmm. in whichever way you give that to. So it's, you know, there's another book that I read that talked that broke down tithing in a different perspective than the church perspective that most people have. Um, and so in her book, she was like, you tie to your spiritual food sources. And I was like, mm-hmm. I like that. So anybody that I have connected with, or maybe you shared something with me, you made me smile one day, or you were just there for me in some type of way, those would be the people that I tithe to. So my mentor, who's always there for me, right, for years, this dude's a millionaire. He don't need $700. And that's how much I tithe to him. It was one of the best things I could have ever done. He cried. He was like, nobody's ever done anything like this for me. I would have never thought that he would have been so moved. And that's the beauty in tithing. Another friend of mine who's big in Herbalife now, his name is Garen Jones. At the time, I had money. I tithed to him one day because he hooked me up a job on a bad girls club. I taught the girls how to pole dance. This is like Natalie Nunn season. Oh my God. I run LA. (laughs) So he knew Natalie. And they had a pole in the house. You know, every bad girl's house got a pole in it. And he was like, yo, my girl does pole dance. And so he gets me on the show. They pay, That was a paying job. Mm-hmm. So I ended up tithing to my friend Garen because of that. It was like a few hundred dollars that I tied to him. So I didn't tie to him based on the amount that I got paid on that job. I tied to him based on the amount that I made that month or whatever. So it was a few hundred dollars. Now, at the time, I'm just tithing to my friend. I'm not thinking anything about it. Come to find out years later, like Garen just told me this a couple years ago, he was homeless at the time. Oh, living out of his car and the night that I tied with him he actually came and stayed at my place like we would just hang out he actually stayed over I had no idea this fool was living out of his car he didn't tell me 
I tied to him that day, that same day, he had no money. He was praying for money. Like, he had enough money to come over to my place, and he had, like, a Slurpee and, like, some chips. And I gave him this money, and he told me years later, just, like, a couple years ago, he was like, dude, he was like, you don't know this. He was like, but one day you tied to me, gave me some money. He was like, I had literally been praying, and then you gave me money. And then he just paid that, paid it forward to me just a couple years ago, but he paid for me to do Landmark, the advanced course again. That was how I got back into Landmark, and that's how I ended up meeting you. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So can I say how we know each yes. other? Uh-huh. So we know each other through, so Landmark is, I'd really water it down by saying it's a self-development, self-development education program. Yeah. program. Mm-hmm. Um, intended, it's not woo-woo, it's really like, just has its way of life skills yeah um getting to your blind spots discovering them being more effective in the world with things that matter to you and so teaching you how to communicate Mm -hmm. how to heal (laughs) broken shit within your family between your friends like it just teaches you real life skills i think everybody should take the two trainings Mm -hmm. like the, the the form and the advanced course I think you just should do that, like, especially like if you're if you want to enhance your life, if you want to be better at life, then you need to take classes on life. Yeah. Plain and simple. You need to take classes on fucking life. Like just like you pick up books to learn about your your field of interest. If you want to live life, you need to learn how to do life, meaning how do you clear conflicts with people? How do you heal the emotional traumas that you went through as a child? Most people ain't learning that. It's the reason, like, our world is so broken as it is. We don't know how to do it. Like, we don't know how to handle that shit. And also, I don't know if I'd have this podcast if I hadn't done Landmark because it taught me how to have multiple things on my plate powerfully mm-hmm. and how to work with people at a whole different level. And sometimes I think it's hard for people to explain what they've gotten out of it because it depends on the person and what matters to you. Yeah. But um, so I was coaching in a program called the Self-Expression Leadership Program <laughs> for the third time. <laughs> It's so funny, and you know, I was like, I wasn't gonna. There were so many things that had to lead up to me doing it that I never would have thought. And Nicole was one of the people that I coached, which is like, it's like having. It's like if you're a basketball player and you got to have like Jordan, you're like you were coaching Jordan or whatever, and Jordan's coming <laughs> to you. That's what it felt like. That's so funny. I didn't tell you that, huh? That's no. That's how I ended up in SLP because of Garen paying it forward. And when he paid for me, he was like, you don't know this. He was like, but he was like, I'm going to pay for you to do the advanced course. And he was like, this is why. And he tells me the story. He was like, that day, he was like, do you remember years ago you tied to me? He was like, I was living out of my car. And he was like, I prayed for money that day. And then boom. Wow. And so you got you got a return on your investment. Oh, this that whole thing. It's the whole thing. And that's what tithing is about. It's like because I was giving and not giving of a space to get something. Right. Like tithing is about just giving. It's not about, I don't need no thank you from you. I've had friends that be like, no, no, I don't wanna take it. I'm like, don't block, don't block the giving. Because if you block the giving, then how can you receive? So giving is all about knowing that you're gonna receive back. Does, did tithing to you feel like a real leap of faith? Cause to me that would feel like a real leap of faith. And that's what it's about. Because yeah. if you don't have faith in the reciprocal nature of the universe, then you are not living in the flow of it. That's what tithing is exactly about. To remind you that when you give, you will receive and you will receive 10 times fold, mm-hmm. hundred times fold. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm receiving a hundred times fold. <laughs> just of the blessings that I receive. Like it's always just coming back. Even if it's not coming back in money, it's coming back in some way. It is. It's interesting because, and I'll, I'll come back from this tangent, but um, I've been working on a job where I can bring on people to like co-create with, mm-hmm. but there's no budget for it. And so I need to take out of what I earn, which isn't huge, to mm-hmm. do it. And 
I've done it already a couple of times or once and it felt so good and it almost felt like a weight lifted off of my shoulders and I felt like I'm investing in other people being amazing. Yes. Like yeah. this podcast. Mm. There's somebody that's listening that is receiving Ooh. because we're giving. So you mean those like 20 hours a week I spend on yes. this without income at it this proper It comes back moment? to you. It comes back oh, to you. I'm so glad you just said that because yeah. it's a reminder for me, but literally anybody that's listening, let that be a reminder for you. Everything that you do cannot be about receiving something yeah. immediately in return. You need to be giving and putting things out because when you help somebody else, it comes back to you. It just does. Like people look out for me in the world. Mm. Getting that call for the video. If my energy is amazing on set, I'm going to make sure if you're only paying me less than what I want to make, my energy going to be so amazing that you're going to want to book me three more times. So it pays off. Yeah. And doing this even, like, I have to be so real and I, it's hard for me not to be apologetic. I feel so off today. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Nicole, I'm not at my, like, thousand. <laughs> but I feel like maybe it's all perfect. Mm-hmm. Does that make because sense? Because you're not going to be at a thousand every day. That's what I've been having to learn. I'm not okay with that. You need to be because you're just not going to be at a thousand every day. It's not possible to maintain that. It, it's just like a runner can't maintain top speed. Nothing can remain at top level at all times. Nothing works like that in the universe. And are you okay with me not being at a thousand? I don't even feel that you're not at a thousand. Okay. So that's your own shit. That's my own shit. Yeah. Damn. I feel mm-hmm. like it's me. I don't feel at a thousand either. But right now in this what? moment, as far as me sharing what I'm sharing, I feel at a thousand. You are at a I thousand. I didn't feel at a thousand when I walked in the door. But when oh. I'm being of service and giving, that's your, that's your, that, that's my thousand. That's so true. And I have to say, this is bringing me back to like <laughs> having a community project. Uh-huh. Um, it really feels good to do this. This is one of like the best things I've had in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think I expect it sometimes to be unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like it really, it takes, you know, Sunday, Sunday sometimes being like, I can't hang out. I'm editing. And mm-hmm. then when I hear somebody, all it takes, when I hear somebody saying something positive to me or like, thank you, this helped me with blank or. I moved to LA and it's somebody hit me up from oh I forgot what a northern European country mm-hmm. she's like I've been learning so much and the positive affirmation she gave me was part of the intention of the podcast so I was like I want people who don't live here if you live here great but who don't live here to feel like they're in the room with us yeah so okay all right so we're back <laughs> in it this is vulnerable yes. I didn't expect to get vulnerable you got to so look and I'm so glad you brought that up because mm. this is the one of the things that I've learned over the last three years and I had a conversation with a friend last night we were talking about being vulnerable because mm-hmm. I was like you know I still don't like the fact that I'm not making the amount of money he was like but why he was like and where does that come from where does that stem from in your life and I was like because I feel like if I have to ask for help like if I need help financially if I'm not able to support my the lifestyle that I want then I feel it makes me feel like that I'm that I'm not worthy, that I'm not as valuable, but my insights are all the same. So when I place that judgment on myself that I'm not the same because I'm not making this amount of money, it's, it's a lie. And if I don't articulate that lie and share it, then I'll maintain the lie. He was like, I want you for the next 60 days to tell somebody every day that thing. And when he said it, because it's landmark shit, right? Mm-hmm. It's, if, 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 I, if I share that, that fear, that vulnerability, People will then remind me of who the fuck that I am. And Nicole, you are not the amount of money that you make. But if I don't tell anybody that, I will start. To, I will be believing that. And then I don't show up at 100 because I'm judging myself. 
So you, you, we have to share those insecurities and those fears. I have to share that I've been feeling like because I'm not making the amount of money that I know that I can make, mm-hmm. like I know my ability to produce, mm-hmm. because I'm not doing that, I'm judging myself and telling myself that I'm not good enough mm. or that I'm not showing up and that something's wrong with me. Like what's wrong with me that I'm not doing what I know I'm capable of? And there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just learning life. <laughs> What's funny is like, as you're sharing it with me, what I couldn't see from where I was, I'm sitting mm-hmm. in my own head is that we're having money validate us and yeah. money is invented. But what if it was like each person you're impacting that's been positively impacted by you and has I'm a rich as fuck then. You are rich as fuck. And like, why is money more important than that? Because we're living in a society where I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I don't want to say I'm society teaching that, but I'm putting myself in a society where that's what shows up for me because I have that judgment. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't my judgment, then I wouldn't grade myself based on my money. Mm-hmm. So because I have that judgment, I put myself in the view of things that shows if you got to have the money, that means you're doing well. But I'm doing well in so many areas of my life. So that's the reason I have to share that. Because if I told you that, mm-hmm. you'd be like, Nicole, what the fuck are you talking about? If I tell any of my friends that I'm feeling that way, they will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But like, it also, mm-hmm, you know, they remind me of the truth. And so in those moments, I get it. Like in this moment right now, I get that my money does not define me. Like I know how amazing I am. But if I'm at home by myself mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there getting sappy, like, oh, shit, you know, like, shit, am I going to make rent this month? You know, like I need another, I need to book another job. Da, 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 da. Or, you know, I would rather be living here, but I'm not. You know what I mean? Or I want to replace the side view mirror on my car, but I'm not able to right now. And I could. I could put it on a credit card, but it ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. But I wish I could replace my side view mirror because it looks a hot fucking mess. <laughs> but it makes it it's, makes it so much realer. Like to, Yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful for these moments because I was sharing with you someone else who I really look up to. And I feel it always looks like is financially abundant. Shared with me the other day that they had to downgrade a lot of aspects of their life because they just were not financially there i think it's just we're calibrating there's an email i got today it's from lauren Ritchie, and she has the dance podcast quick plug and mm-hmm. she's someone who like i reached out to because i saw we're doing something sim. we're so different but we're mm-hmm. doing something with the same like heart um yeah. for the dance world and she asked me what's one of your biggest lessons right now and i said that even though sometimes i think things aren't working out it's just that enough time hasn't passed for me to see how well it's working out so i feel it for you yes and for the lesson for me which my friend reminded me he was like you have to be willing to be vulnerable and going through stuff so yes. the longer i try to pretend like i have it together the longer i'm going to be pretending like i have to have it together <laughs> did you hear that people <laughs> the longer you hide in your bullshit the longer you will be in your bullshit yeah. When you face it, when you put it out there, that's when I get to break through it. So that's why he's like, for the next 60 days, every day, you need to be having that conversation with you. Like, get to the tears. Like, I got a little emotional right now about it. Like, I have to be willing to get to the to the tears to break that up because it's a shield. It's blocking my heart space. That's where the vulnerability is. Like, I can feel it in my chest. And I have to be okay with that. And one of the things, like, when I started coaching and then my money level switched... I started thinking, well, who's going to work with me if I'm if money is an issue for me? Mm -hmm. 
just because I'm having an issue with money don't mean I can't teach you still about money because I can. Just like, for instance, if I broke my leg don't mean I still can't teach you pole dance. You know Ooh. what I mean? Or just because you don't have kids don't mean you can't help somebody else with their kids. We were all kids. We all got brothers and sisters. Everybody understands kids. We were, we were all one. You know what I mean? Um, so I have to break through that mindset of thinking that just because one area of my life doesn't feel at 100, that doesn't mean I still can't show up at 100 and be an amazing life coach, be an amazing dance instructor, be an amazing personal trainer. Like, I wasn't uh, willing to charge people my normal training rate because I wasn't really training in the gym anymore. That don't take away from my fucking knowledge and my ability to train people, it just doesn't. Like, I still know what I know how to do, you know what I mean? I have to remind myself that, again, the money has nothing to do with your ability. The money has nothing to do with my ability and who I am as a person. And I think also just not being blind to it and being like, this is where I'm at. Let me figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be there's going to be something in there that you're going to get to share. Yeah. So, OK, so you had just closed. I'm big on like, <laughs> no, we gotta go story. back, back around. <laughs> and we can, it doesn't have to be like, you know, every detail, uh, but you were you closed down the studio. You were ready to life coach. Mm -hmm. That actually kind of brings me up to speed and then at what point did you know that you were keeping up the pole like teaching pole or that it was there to stay so when I realized okay so you ain't jumping off you know the charts with this coaching thing mm -hmm. so it was like I still gotta teach pole because I really wanted to retire like I still still knew I wanted to travel and do workshops because that's just so much fun so because I still needed to teach pole because that was where I was gonna make my best income I started mm -hmm. I, I've still been doing it I just teach less days a week um, but I realized in continuing it, like, I just fucking love teaching. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's easy. It's fun to, to help somebody else realize their own personal power is, like, the most beautiful thing. You know, when your students have that aha moment. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God. And they're so excited that they got something. Like, that's, like, what do you call it? It's, uh, when something doesn't have a value. It's, uh. Oh, priceless? It's priceless. Like, it's just priceless. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, like, I just taught in Denver. And to have women come up to me after class and just have the hugest smiles on their face and and then them say i've been working on that move all year and you taught it to me in five minutes there was a girl who was uh, signing people into the workshops and she was like what's your name like she didn't know who i was you know but most people know i'm nicole DePaul. she was like what's your name I was like nicole DePaul. and she was like i just had to know she was like because when everybody walked out on your class they had such big smiles on their face like they were so just happy and that's why I do what I do because of that like mm -hmm. to know that I've helped somebody get something that they thought was impossible that to me is like that's huge to make people believe the impossible is possible and literally like I was teaching people moves that they thought were like their nemesis moves and I have a thing in class like they'll be like this is my nemesis move and I'll be like no it ain't no more <laughs> I want you to say this is my motherfucking move this move is my bitch I want you to be like this move is easy for me like I change my my students I change their language because it's all about your language if you say this move is hard if you go oh I can't do that then you won't be able to do it so I tell my clients I'm like lie to yourself I said, because it's a simple lie. I said, lie to yourself. I want you to say this move is easy. I want you to be like, I'm a master at this move. I was like, you don't need to believe it. I was like, there's so many other times that you lie to yourself. I said, let's just keep it up, keep it going. And I said, do the move now. And then they do the move. Because I'm like, when you talk negative to yourself, your brain stops computing. When you say this is hard, your brain is now thinking that it is hard. So it's thinking of everything to make the move difficult for you. When you say this is easy, you now allow space for your brain to figure some shit out. And then that's how we make things happen. Like even as a dancer, I'll be like, I don't, I'm not good at hip hop dance. <laughs> you know what I mean? I look retarded as hell. But 
Yes, that's true. But if I went into a choreography class, I, mean, I can't God, agree or disagree. I haven't seen you try it. <laughs> oh, if I look horrible. I pop dancing. Yeah, I don't want to see it. Uh, but again, I don't practice at it either. But if I went into a class and I felt myself feeling like that, I would then start going, I got this. Like when we did the Aisha Francis class. Uh huh. I knew I would be okay with that, but there were still things that are I would see other Her girls, and I'm like, so I'm like, they just whipping it in their back. Yeah. I'm like, ow, and then I just be like, I can do this shit, and I just make it funny, you know, to mm-hmm. myself. Like I'll be like, I can do this shit. I'm sexy as hell, you know what I mean? I don't necessarily believe it, but I'm gonna say it. <laughs> and oh, then it, it, it ends up showing up in my body, though, you know what I mean? So it's like you just gotta fake it till you make it, like they yeah. say. And then I feel like it over time, also the goal prevails. Like, sometimes it doesn't happen in a class, but if you keep thinking like that, yeah. it's gonna, like, you're, like maybe when you dance hip-hop, there's something stylistically that just needs the kinks worked out. And I feel like my, like, I'm an athlete. Yes, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a dancer because I pole dance. Mm-hmm. I'm good at sensual movement. I feel like... She will my... twerk across the floor and make me cry. <laughs> and I have some performances where I'm like, oh, wow, I did that, right? So I feel like my dancer block is the vulnerability thing because mm-hmm. to be an amazing dancer, you have to be vulnerable. And I'm a little more, uh, what do you call it? I'm a little more anal uptight, you know, <laughs> control like that. You know what I mean? I'm a little more hard. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, and I move a little stiffer because that stiffness is me. But I also, I like that because for me, I feel like that connects to the regular person. Like I want my foot to still sickle. I really do because mm-hmm. I want somebody to go. She's not a professional dancer, which means the regular girl is going to be like, oh my gosh, she's doing it. Versus if a person sees everything perfect most per- people don't identify with that because it's so far off i want people to see me and be like she a regular ass shit so i want my left foot to still sickle i don't want that shit to be straight super straight i want you to know that i'm a regular ass chick i didn't grow up dancing as a two-year-old i'm an athlete i'm a tomboy my that foot gonna sickle to let you know i'm still a tomboy you know what i mean <laughs> were you always comfortable shaking your butt was always comfortable doing shaking what? your ass uh no because i didn't believe i had one but i changed it i began to tell myself a lie and i used to be and now in my mind i feel like i got ass (laughs) so that was it's so funny i always felt self-conscious of my ass shaking Uh so i was like like for me i just was so uncomfortable letting it jiggle oh yeah i'm trying to make mine jiggle (laughs) and so and no it doesn't jiggle a lot but see i still i pump myself up if i'll be like did you see it jiggle i was like if you put this ass in slow motion it goes crazy (laughs) can you tell us about the lbm movement uh the lbm movement is the little booties of matter movement i am the president the founder and uh i want all the little booty girls out there to know that your little booty matters um, and you don't have to get surgery. You when you ever get butt injections? Hell no. Nah. And what informs that choice? I believe in being a natural girl. Like, I just want to embrace that. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I used to have, I used to be self-conscious about having little boobs. And then I had enough guys be like, yeah, girl, you got good nipples. You got little titties. They fit right in your hand. I had enough people say that to her. I was like, you know what? Damn right. Fit right in your hand. Fit right in your mouth. You know what I mean? And I have amazing nipples and areolas, so I'm just like, now I embrace them. Like, I will wear a t-shirt and let them bad boys just bing, bing, you know what I mean? Same thing with the booty. Certain men love that little booty. So I'm going to attract men that like little booties. If you like a big booty, I'm not your girl. And that's what I want all the little booty girls out there to know. The average man does not care about that. And if they do care about that, that's not your dude. Like, it's certain things you just shouldn't be changing because you think other people want it. They don't. That's just your image. Like, women care about 
body stuff actually more than men do because they see it in social media. They think men care just because men like it, but that doesn't mean that men care about that. Like, meaning care in the sense of there's men that are not going to not date a woman because their ass is not big. That's like, like most dudes ain't. And if, again, that's that that's percentage is so small. It's so, so, so small, but people see it in, like, rap videos and just because big booty girls are in the rap videos. People don't care about that, though. If you go look at some of the most famous actresses and models, they ain't got ass. The guys got them. Like, really think about that. Nobody cares about that but you women. And you need to stop making that so important because it's not. Because it's at the end of the day, you'll fix that and you will find something else to not like about yourself. Do you ever feel pressure to change anything about yourself, personality? The only thing I want to change is this double chin right here. Oh, my God. Look, are you getting that on video? This is the only thing. I would literally have this sucked out or carved or... That's the only thing I don't like in, in this genetic. Like, my grandmother has this double chin. Like, it's small, but I know, I feel like over the years, it's going to start hanging down. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, ugh, God. <laughs> so that's the only thing I would change. <laughs> and I would get my uh, my teeth done. Like, they're straight, but mm-hmm. I have like, calcium deposits on my teeth. So mm-hmm. I would want to get the either porcelain veneers or, like, bonding over them. That's the only thing. My booty is getting thicker. It's growing. I've been squatting. So, girls, you just got to do squats and, you know, you got to do your leg presses and stuff because my little booty is growing. It's grown like half an inch in my hips. Get mm-hmm. a good trainer so you're using proper form and, yes. and using your glute muscles, exactly. not the wrong muscles. And I've been training for the last five weeks and my literally my legs and my butt has actually grown. Like, it's gotten a little bit bigger. She has a measure. Yes, I have the measuring tape. Measuring and my tape. pants. <laughs> my pants don't fit. That's According how I know. According to my pants. According to my pants. Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. Ah. <laughs> um, there's a lot around age in the dance world. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, I don't know what the statistics are, but if I walk in a room for an audition, I bet you, like, almost the median age would probably be 20 to 22. Okay. And there's this idea of, like, 30, like, is, like, whoa, the great unknown. And, like, beyond that is, like, the super unknown. What are your, like, what do you want to, anything you want to say to that, or? Yes, there's so much I would love to say around age. I believe in that age is just a number. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on age, if you think that 30 is old, you're going to start to look old. You're going to act old, and you're not going to book stuff because you think you old, which goes with the projection of what they say matters, right? But Mm -hmm. it doesn't. I'm about to be 39, but I look 22, right? It is true. So even if you're 30, it don't matter. Is your body still working? Do you look young? They're not because... I, I, I highly doubt that the choreographer, the you know, the creative director cares about what your actual number is. They care about they probably your skill level work and what you look like. You know what I mean? And somebody with some experience. And how young were you when you booked your first big artist? So when I started pole dancing, I started I was twenty seven. I booked the Rihanna video in two thousand thirteen. I was thirty-three. because pole dancing and videos wasn't a thing then. Like, you may have seen it, but it, they didn't show those type of videos on TV. You know, like, that was the after hours on BET. Or you, and then they started doing these YouTube videos where they could show more stuff. So now, pole dancing is back in the game. Like, Snoop Dogg has a tour where he has pole dancers on stage right now. I did, uh, like, the Cardi B video. Mm-hmm. She used to pole, so she brought pole back into her video. And I hadn't done a music video pole-related in, like, two years, three years. Just because I was kind of like, I don't want to do them no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? I passed on so many jobs just because they weren't paying enough and gave them to other people. 
at what point, what's the, how do you, rewind. There's been times when I've done dance work and I felt like I was shaking my butt, I don't feel good about it, I mm-hmm. felt demeaned. And there's times that I felt really strong in what I'm doing. I can tell you're coming from an empowered place. What makes that difference when you're doing a job and you're in a G-string? The energy of the people. Mm-hmm. So I did Ray Schwarmer throw some up. Mm-hmm. I'm ratchet as hell in that video. But the guys, the brothers themselves, they were cool. So I had no problem being that way with them. Now, had they been doggish and like, yeah, girl, shake that ass in front of me, I, wasn't, I wouldn't have done it. But you know how you feel like people are like your, your family, like your brothers, you cool with them, so you'll be a little more playy with them. Like, yeah, he rubbed his little ass on, you know what I mean? So their energy was so cool, and I vibed with them where I didn't mind being that way because it was like I was acting. And then they were receiving it in the same way as if they were on the job doing their job. They weren't like, yeah, girl, let me touch that ass. And they weren't, they were very respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as long as the energy is respectful, I can do just about anything. And I have to still, okay, of course, feel okay with it myself. Like, I'm not getting nude for anything, um, you know, because that means that image would be out there. But as far as just shaking my ass, but if I felt in a, I was in an uncomfortable position, if I didn't like the energy of the people, if I felt people were looking at me in a doggish way or mm-hmm. in a disrespectful way, then I wouldn't do it. So I think choose based on the energy of the environment. I think that's what most people do when anything comes down to, you know, showing skin and stuff like that. You want to feel comfortable in that environment. So... I think that's what you should go off. And again, is it worth it to you? Do you want yourself in that image in that way? You got to think long term. I was ratchet, but I still like it. It's hot to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I'm the oldest one on the set always. But again, I look young. I carry this youthful energy. So I think that's really all that matters is how you feel about yourself. And one of the other things that I say that people should do around age is don't call yourself old. If you can still walk, if you're not shitting on yourself, if you know you can take care of yourself, you're not old. You're just not. I don't care if you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. You're just not old. I don't answer to how old are you. When people so ask me that, I say, did you mean to say how young am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I ask people their age, I say, how young are you? I asked this lady in the elevator the other day. I said, how young are you? It made her smile. Versus if I were to say how old are you, it, make, it implies being old already. So that's the reason I don't use it. But she was like, I'm 79. And she looked so youthful. That's why I was like, how young are you? Because she looked youthful. Like she could walk well. She was standing up straight. Her posture was good. And I think, again, that's all about the mindset. If you feel youthful, you do youthful things. My birthday two years ago, I had a big kids party at the park for my 37th. Like, so I always believe in doing things that make me feel like a kid. That's how you stay youthful. Mm. We all have to do that. Do things that make you feel young and take care of your body. And I, you know, I'm pretty, I call myself 80% vegetarian, vegan. I'm, I, I'm, I pretty much feel like be 80% at least in everything. You know what I mean? Mm. You can have your little playroom is my 20%. I'm going to eat me a lemon pepper chicken wing. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God, I want chicken wings. <laughs> But only lemon pepper chicken wing. I'm not going to eat regular chicken. I like hot wings. So. (laughs) It's 10 years from now. (laughs) We've done this before. Oh, God. It's 10 years since I started. Shit. It's 10 years from now. It's Uh going to be 2029. Okay. And we've actually done this before. I'm bumping into you. Oh. (laughs) What are we doing? Where are we bumping into each other? We having breakfast. We're having breakfast. We're having breakfast. Breakfast. Where are we having breakfast? Like in the back of one of our houses. And we got somebody that's like, I'm like, I'm like, Galitz. 
Like we, some one of our butlers or you know our housemates have made us just this delicious breakfast, and we eating fruit. You know what I mean by the pool. Yeah. So Nicole, what's how's life? What's what's going on? <laughs> As you could focus, like who who are you in the world? What, what are you up years to? From now? Shoot, let's see. I'll be forty nine. Fabulous. I'm gonna be an oh ho. No, you're not. It's obviously not shitting your pants. Oh no, I'm be young still. So I'm gonna be 49. So which means I'm gonna look like I'm 25, yeah. or like 27 at this point. I'm doing more stuff like this, where I'm just getting to speak and share my wisdom, help educate other people, and I'm I'm still being a teacher in some way, um, through mind, body, and spirit. Like that's just what I love doing. So I'm coaching other people. I'm helping people with their businesses. I'm helping people change their mindsets. That's it. I'm you know, talking and I'm sharing. Yeah. I love it. Traveling the world, doing speaking events, and, and you know, having private clients and doing retreats and that kind of stuff. That's what I would love to be. Teaching Oprah how to pole dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Oprah girl, you can still get on the pole. Uh huh. Oh, I felt like that's <laughs> blasphemous somehow. <laughs> and then, what do you want to be remembered for? Let's say that it's three hundred years from now, and mm-hmm. people find this archive. <laughs> they found Dan speak. Oh yeah, like we we in the archives. Yeah. Uh, I want to be remembered for what the things that I actually hear now, which is because of you, I started pole dancing. Mm-hmm. Because of Nicole, I started to believe in myself. I knew that I could do anything that I wanted, like that. IG rant I went on yesterday, people were responding in a way that saying that, I'm so glad that you said that, that was confirmation. So just reminding people of, I want people to be like, man, she reminded me of what, I, what was really possible. She helped me believe in myself. Um, yeah. I love that, that's who you are. <laughs> and how can people follow you, support you? You can follow me at Nicole the Pole on Instagram and Nicole the Soul Coach is my coaching page. Um, my website is NicoleThePole.com. Um, my coaching website is not up yet, but you can also message me through my, my Instagram. Um, I am available for coaching. I'm available for personal training, and I'm av- available for pole dance. I do intensives. Um, I'm going to be starting uh, traincations. So you can actually come stay with me or come to the area, and I will train you in my whole mind, body, spirit lifestyle. So... You learn to meditate, how to eat healthy, uh, how to strengthen your body, how to work on whatever it is that you want to work on. Like you might have a business idea or you want to work on your mindset. You want to work on forgiveness, money, whatever it is that you want to work on in regards to your life. I can help you with that. I love it. So hit me up. You know what I'm saying? I got these wisdoms, these gems and these experiences. And whatever it is that you're coming to me for, it's the same thing that I'm also going to be working on as well. Because we're all mirrors of each other. So you're going to either be reminding me to do something or it's going to be something that I've already experienced and I can help you in that. So whether it be, it don't have to always be good stuff like depression. I can help people with depression because I went through it now. That's one of the most beautiful things that I took from being, going through depression. Had I never experienced it, I would have never been able to connect with people in that way. So it's like you want to go through things that don't feel good because you can help somebody else go through it better. Mm. And that's what I want to be able to do. I want to acknowledge you for taking the time and the energy and the love today to be on the podcast and sitting with me and then also who you continue to be as a friend that you're really you're one of the tops if I'm going through something good or not so good (laughs) I'm like let me talk to Nicole or you know you just are so empowering and you're like no bullshit um and I really I'm so grateful for you.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Cannot wait to hear what you think. Something that I've realized is I want to connect so much more with the listeners. So listen up. I want to know who you are. Are you a teacher? Are you someone who works in corporate America and you just love listening to dance things? Do you live in a different country? What are your concerns in life? Like, I really want to know who are our listeners because we're in the tens of thousands of downloads and it's not just numbers to me. It's about human connection. So you can DM me um, at Dance Speak Podcast or my own DM at GoGalit, G-O-G-A-L-I-T, or email us. And by us, I mean I'm the one checking it. Podcast at gmail.com. I want to know who you are. Have a beautiful day. Remember to subscribe, rate and review, and share with a friend. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our Dance Speak podcast. For inquiries, suggestions, comments on your favorite guests, or who you'd like to see on the show, please email us at dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-N-C-E-S-P-E-A-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And check back in next week for our latest interview. Thank you so much.